what's going on is FT Live run in LA for five seconds. Kuzinski in Florida, but not for too much longer. He's following where he's going to go for the ALDS with Adam Wainwright and his fancy friends. And Kratz in his usual spot in PA. So happy playoffs. We have officially started. And before we charge the damn mound, I'll start with you, Kratz. How was your playoff experience? Because I actually had just the most perfectly timed flight after our show to catch almost every inning. And I had to go back and forth because we don't stagger our games. But almost every inning of the games that I could watch from start to finish. Like six hours on a flight got me through almost the entire day of playoff games where probably a year ago that would have taken 10. Yeah, no, that definitely wouldn't have happened. And we would have been going on Scotty Braun sleep tonight if we had to stay up for <laughs> – the late game, but that was, that was beautiful for me. Today's my daughter's birthday. So we happy birthday, Avery, but I got to, you know, make some, make some birthday treats for her last night. And I had the game on the TV. I had the Brewers game on my phone and it was awesome. It was very seamless. And it was like constantly in, in the playoffs, whenever I've done the like two screen, John, it's been, it's been awkward, but I'll sit there and I'll like, wow, this is, I know another pitch is coming in 15 seconds. Like I just, it was a really good rhythm. I loved it. I didn't hear all the announcers that I didn't want to hear. I, I had a great time and the games were awesome too. So it was, it was, I was kind of bummed in the ninth inning of the Phillies game. I was like, Oh, they're over. Yeah. All right. Well, at least we have tomorrow. Right. If I was at home, I would have wanted more. AJ, did you have like your two TV set up in the car while you're like driving somewhere random? What? Well, the first game is my son had a game. And by the way, Kratz, it's my brother's birthday too. So happy birthday, Garrett. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, no, I was at, my son had a game. So I actually had the game on in the locker room uh, and was running in and out, checking in on my phone to make sure my locket, which it did. Oh, and yeah. uh, then I was running in and out watching it. And then when I got home, the second games had already started. And uh, yeah, I watched both of them at the same time. And uh, yeah. Like Kratz said, you know, it was it was a good night. You know what the best part was? They were over like super early before eleven o'clock on the East Coast. Oh. Incredible! I love you, pitch clock. It's oh. also good for the game for kids, right? If you're on the East Coast, once you get to that time period, I don't have the experience, but I don't think kids are trying to stay up till twelve, one o'clock to watch playoff games, right? Well, they, they are. The point. They are, but they shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Right. But that not that the point? Grow the game in the demographic that we don't have? I mean, it, it doesn't have to be age 55 is the median age for people watching the playoffs. Like, let's lower that this year. I, I you know, attendance, we'll talk about that later. But to me, if, if we can lower that median age to like 53 this year, that is a huge step in the right direction. I think getting these games done earlier helps. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder for anyone that's still weird about the pitch clock, but I think most people have gotten over it. It's the same amount of outs. We got the same action in a little bit less time. Just keep that in mind. And it's also more like, actually, for me, early 90s baseball that I fell in love with. It had more of that vibe. Like, let's actually play and, and not worry about, you know, Prusinski's 45-second walk-up song that he has to just stroll through. <laughs> he was getting those at-bats done quick. It wasn't – it was over. AJ, AJ is wagging his finger, finger for everybody who's not watching on the pod, but I'll say it for him. It was quick. You're not looking at a nine-pitch at-bat and Mm-mm. taking pitches on the corners. He's putting Mm-mm. that John in play and finding green 2,000-plus times. 
Yeah, there was no there was no work to count with me, Scotty. <laughs> it was they, they go like this and they chuck it and I go like this and swing at it. And if it got a hit, it got a hit. And if not, we went on to the next time. But listen, <laughs> I wasn't going up there working. I wasn't going up there money balling it, I promise you. You were ahead of your time. It, it, it might not have felt that way, but you were ahead of your time. You were entertaining. All right, let's charge the damn mound because the Minnesota Twins have won a postseason game. Yes, the streak is over. Rejoice. 18 games, 19 years. That's a good sign. The streak did end, and they were going nuts in Minnesota. As we addressed yesterday, AJ, it could cost you single-digit dollars to get into the ballpark. You could, <laughs> If you ate before the game, you could spend like eight bucks and experience history in Minnesota. And it was a vibe there. It was awesome. It's just finally over. And now what? It just didn't seem – well, now they got to win a series. Now they got to win the next – one of the next two and win a series. But listen, I played in Minnesota. I was there two out of my th- – you know, two years we went to the playoffs. We lost in the ALCS. We lost in the ALDS. And Minnesota loves their baseball. And they come out, especially for playoff baseball. They, they might have been selling for 7 or $8 or whatever the, the ticket price was. But that place was packed. And it was loud. And it definitely had an effect on the game. And Royce Lewis, you're a stud, dude. I don't – I mean, coming back the way you did, they, I remember seeing you walk in in the parking lot and, like, get the camera out of my face. Well, you hit two home runs in your first playoff game. Guess what? You get the camera in your face. So you're a stud. The Twins crowd was unbelievable. Listen, three of the four places where there were games yesterday, the crowds were lit. They were on fire. Everything you could want for them. Milwaukee, even though they lost. Philly was being Philly. And Minnesota was just dying to end that streak. And they did. And it was great. Yeah. Uh, Rocco was talking about thought this place was going to split open. Like, this should be this should be what the stadium designers think of. Like, Minnesota's stadium, Target Field, is the smallest footprint of any stadium. And yet they had 38 or 39,000 packed out in that place, and it was loud. From what everyone was talking about post-game, during the game, it was loud there. Same thing in Philly. It's a small footprint of a stadium. It's loud. Milwaukee, it kind of just goes straight up. You know, the lower, the lower bowl's not too big and everything just goes straight up so they feel like you're on top of you. Like, that's how you should – that's playoff baseball. That is where Minnesota, I think, really propelled their team. I think they, they propelled their team to early lead, obviously. Then, you know, the bats went cold and the Blue Jays' bats were just cold the whole time. So, it's, it, is, it is a thing. It's a thing. Fans, you need to come out, even if it is only $9, to get into a game. Spend that $9 and enjoy yourself. And Byron Buxton was a big draft pick for this team years back. What, two overall? And unfortunately not on the playoff roster. Just couldn't get himself healthy enough for this time period. And it's been a problem, obviously, his whole career. Rocco said, quote, he worked his butt off to get – in the best possible physical shape he could, but it was a hard emotional talk. We both were sitting in the room knowing that he wasn't going to be able to play in this series. Well, he was second overall. Years later, a 1-1 named Royce Lewis was selected. He too went through a lot of injury bullshit. And that includes the last couple weeks with a hamstring issue. We got to meet him on the field in Cincinnati a couple weeks back when we did our shows there. He's a 
wonderful young man. He is super cool, super chill, not vanilla cookie cutter bullshit answers. And he homered twice in his first two freaking plate appearances. What a stud. And if you're on the uh, pod side of things right now, we're looking at him. And these were impressive ABs. Obviously, Gossman did lay up some fastballs, kind of belt high right in his nitro zone. But dude made a name for himself. And actually, I was pissed because AJ was watching the broadcast. And they, like, cut away to something else, third AB. I'm like, please let me see what the crowd does, third AB. And I saw it on social, obviously. Standing ovation for Royce Lewis. Super cool. And draft picks matter. And what a freaking performance for him. I mean, he carried the offense. Don't forget the other 1-1 one, one on their team, Carlos Correa, who was drafted the pick ahead of Buxton, who made that barehanded play on Bo Bichette mm-hmm. at the plate. But Royce Lewis, man, I'm happy for this kid. I know I've, I've met him a few times doing games in Minnesota. Always happy, always have a smile on his face, always very friendly. And they and, and Dustin Morris has been saying for the whole year, you know, you got to get Royce Lewis on foul territory. Well, we're waiting, Royce. We're still here. We're waiting for you. I know you came on in Cincinnati, but, you know, we can do the show more than once. It's okay. But – Listen, here's the thing about Minnesota. Uh, the place is – it plays small, okay? I, I always felt like the target field, if you get the ball up, it'll go. And he got two fastballs up from Gossman, that, and he didn't miss either one. He went to left. He went to right. The thing I didn't like more than anything, though, and you mentioned the broadcast, the announcer said, oh, is he is Gossman tipping? That's why they're not swinging at him. Well, the only dude that really hit Gossman was Royce Lewis. Other than that, the rest of the Twins didn't do anything. So, I mean, was he tipping? I don't think so. I think they just had a good plan, and their plan basically was like, we're not going to swing at the split because they didn't swing at a ton of them, and when they did, they kind of didn't do anything with them. So for people to just be like, oh, he's tipping because one dude hit two homers is crazy to me. No. I Yeah, I, I don't know. I said it yesterday. That's why I kind of – that's why I went on that game the whole year. Every time they face somebody, the Twins face somebody with a splitter, they take every pitch down in the zone. If it starts down in the zone, they are not swinging. Anything up, they are hacking. And at the end, his last inning, Gosman's last inning, he struck out the side. He started to get into the groove. And they were all located pitches down in the zone and then finishing them up above the zone. That's why the Twins strike out a ton. And I don't think Gosman did that bad. I don't agree with throwing. I don't know why you would throw a fastball in, especially forever unless it's going to be in off the plate to Lewis because he's got enough away that you don't need to do anything, that you don't need to do anything inside except for balls. And I don't know if Gosman was trying to go in, but the whole tipping thing, that was, that was, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into my real thoughts on it, but. Congrats. That's what happens when a starter has a bad day. He's tipping, right? (laughs) No. There's just bad days sometimes. Listen, exactly. and it wasn't even that bad of a day. No, I mean, he struck out the side and, and then he gave he up two. And he then really he gave up two hits. He made two mistakes the whole day. Yeah. He had five strikeouts in four innings, and he went 73 pitches. And this is what we'll probably get into with any of the other teams that lost, especially the Brewers. They really set themselves up. Like, they went right to Swanson. I know they're trying to keep the game close there. But to me, Gosman – Gosman's your guy. He is your guy that you could go another 25 pitches or worst comes to worst, have somebody ready in the fifth. I don't understand why they didn't bring him back out because he struck out the side and then bounced him. Now, obviously, I got a little skin in the game. I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, bring him back out. Now he's got his groove. He just needs one more strikeout to hit my prop. But 
from a, from a managerial standpoint, my thought is he's not in trouble. He wasn't in trouble that entire inning. In reality, he just gave up those two those two hard hit balls, and they were just happened to be dingers. I agree. You, you got to manage these. I know we, everyone says, "Oh, you got to manage these playoff games like Game 7. but you also have to manage for the for the for the war, not just the <laughs> battle, right? And we're going to get into it with Russ Dorsey when he when we start talking about Corbin Burns and the way Craig Council handled his bullpen because I I, I think not only did did Schneider and Toronto. When you're losing, you have to find a guy. If you're going to take your starter out after four innings like they did, you have to find a guy that can give you some length because you don't want to use all your high leverage guys yep. because you're going to have to win two games. And if you use your high leverage guys and then let's say you get ahead tomorrow or today now, you're going to need them again. And then you got to win game three. And in today's game, starters don't go nine innings. Starters don't go barely six innings most of the time. So you're going to need those guys to pitch three days in a row. And a lot of those guys aren't equipped to do that because they haven't done it a whole lot. So it's going to be interesting now to see how not only Schneider, but Craig Council, the Marlins are in a little better position because they did a little bit differently and they didn't use as many as their high leverage guys as other teams did. The Rays didn't use a lot. I mean, the Rays do it all the time, but still, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how the managers, the teams that lost today, come back today and use their bullpens. Stadium's Russ Dorsey joining us covering Diamondbacks Brewers. Russ, good to see you, dude. AJ, any comments before we dive into anything? Are you cool with the the McAfee outfit here? Oh, is that what he was going for? Oh, (laughs) you got to get your little football and throw it up in the air, Russ, if you're going for that. First of all, one, Pat McAfee wished he looked this good. Two, uh, a guy who is on the road a lot, like you got to get your workouts in when you can, when you're busy, doing hits with people. You got to just, hey, I got 45 minutes. Let's get this workout in. Yeah, but I also like... wear sleeves when I get them in. Well, you're not cool. Oh. <laughs> hey. Why? Because I don't have any don't tattoos? Because I don't have any tattoos? That makes me not cool? Yeah, kind of. No, it's because you don't have the gun show like me and Scotty B. Oh, because if I because I don't wear my shirts like this, so I can't go. Hold on, wait. Let me, I can't go Let's like see. this like you guys oh, do. Okay, oh, okay, Yeah. You know what? Maybe uh, you should sorry. wear tighter shirts, AJ. No, I'm good. Uh, you shouldn't. I like to hide the goods, make it a surprise. Russ, <laughs> Russ normally, 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 I'm not the one to get on you, Russ. But did the blind man cut those sleeves? Like, what happened on that one? Like, this is national television here. Like, here's here's my thing, Cressy. I don't care. Like, oh, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> the point is to just have something comfortable that I can work out in on the road. Like, it, it's a, it's okay. I mean, a T-shirt with sleeves works just as good as no sleeves. I'm just saying. I disagree. Um, it's two on oh. two here. So okay, that's fine. Let, let's split the difference and talk about why the Brewers are down one nothing in the series right now. Why? Because they didn't score runs, right? Like, And they had plenty of opportunities. And it's one of those things, going into this series, I said, okay, if I had to predict, I'd say the Brewers would win in three games, right? But a key in that is that you have to win the game against Brandon Fott, and they weren't able to do that. And they had plenty of traffic over the first six innings. The fifth inning, guys, that's the key, because the Brewers had bases loaded with nobody out, and they didn't score a run. Then in the sixth inning, they got Christian Yelich on. He got doubled off on the infield single, and that was it for the Milwaukee Brewers. And you guys just hit on it uh, before you went to break, like being able to line things up or in the losing case, when you're, you have to lose, use all your high leverage guys 
in game one. It puts you behind the eight ball in game two and three, where last night, you know, Craig Council went to all his guys, right? You went to Joel Piomps in the eighth. You went to Devin Williams in the ninth. And he threw 30-something pitches, I think 31 pitches in that game, gave up a couple of runs. So now if you're the D-backs, you're kind of playing with house money. You won the bullpen game in game one. Now you get to go to your horses in game two and three with Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly. So couldn't have asked for much of a better scenario for Arizona. Do you feel like Craig was manipulating the bullpen, using it last night, A, because they thought they were going to come back and score two more runs, and B, the fact that Freddie Peralta in his 16 innings that he's ever pitched against the Dimebacks, he's given up two hits, not two runs, two hits. So you think he's banking on Freddie or you think it was a bad move by Craig? I, I hate the idea of playing for tomorrow, right? You got to you gotta win that day's game because you're not guaranteed anything, right? And I, I don't think that's how Craig was thinking. I think Craig Council went in that game saying, all right, we have our guy in Corbin Burns on the mound, and he's going to give us seven. That's at least what you're hoping for, what you're expecting. He wasn't able to do that. So you have to go to the bullpen, you know, in the fifth inning. Uh, and it's still a close game at that point. They still actually, you know, they were it was a tie game at that point. Uh, or, no, the, the Arizona's up four to three. And you're thinking, okay, we can scratch across a run, right? It wasn't like – Arizona was just shutting down Milwaukee. Like, they had traffic the entire night. They just weren't able to get that big hit with runners in scoring position. And so now Freddie kind of has to be the man tonight because, like we said, they don't really – you know, you have some of those guys like Abner Uribe who's been so good for them this year and uh, Joel Pionce. And then are you going to go to Devin Williams if you have a a lead in the ninth, even after you threw 31 pitches? You probably will, but then where does that put you if you win game two and have to go into game three where you're probably going to have a bullpen game anyway? It's a it's a balancing act. I agree, and I said it last night, and I'll say it again today, and we talked about it even in, in the Blue Jays game. Like, if you're the manager, listen, you have to find a guy to give you length. You cannot use all your guys, especially with no off day. And if you remember the Brewers when they played the Dodgers, uh, was it 2019-ish? 18. They, Craig Council said before the series, we're going to give up game five. Like, he's like, we have to because the way our, our team is set up and we're going to use openers. And, and remember, he started, started somebody and brought in somebody after one hitter and the whole deal. Started Wade Miley. And yeah. one hitter later, he brought it. Yeah, exactly. But the, he already said before the series, we're gonna, if we get to game five, we're giving it up. Wait, what if game five is the game you have to win to keep the series going, right? So I don't understand why. You, you got to find a length guy, whether it's whether it's Miley who might start game three, whether it's Ray, whoever it's got to be. But you can't go to Uribe. You can't go to Piamps. You can't go to Devin Williams. You can't go to all these guys. He used them all, right? Yeah. Aguero, I think he used, he used them all, right? So now, like you said, for the next – for not only today, if they win today – let's say Freddie Peralta goes five and they're winning four to two after five innings. And then he's going to be like, okay, well, I got to use Uribe. I got to use Piamps. I got to use Devin Williams. Well, then let's say – Tomorrow he needs a bull. I mean, it just puts you in a bad spot. But Kerbin Burns is going to take the heat. Listen, he didn't have a great game. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. They also left 11 guys on base, had two awful base running mistakes. You know, I mean, they had they were singled them kind of, you know, they, they had base loaded, no outs, didn't score. You know, line drive, great play by Longoria. But then the one with Yelich, listen, it happens. Tough play. They made a great play on him. But it was just kind of a total failure by the Brewers. Yeah, I, I look at the runners left on base as the big moment. Like, usually you go into a game saying the team that has bases loaded with nobody out and doesn't score, that team probably loses, 
right, if, if you add it up. Uh, and, and that's where that game was lost because that there was an opportunity for Milwaukee throughout that game. They got out, they scored early, and it looked like Brandon Fott was going to have a really short outing. And, you know, he was able to make it you know, to the, the fifth inning for Tori Lovello and the D-backs, and they kind of got to set up their – you know, their strategy going into the later innings of that game, exactly how they how they wanted it, being able to go to Ginkle, then to Paul Seawald in the back end. And I think for for Milwaukee today, you, you, you need Freddie to give you six or seven. And I know that's – I don't think it's a tough ask because if you ask Freddie, he probably says, no, I want to do that. Like, I know what my team needs from me. But I think it puts an emphasis on just how huge the Brandon Woodruff injury is. For Milwaukee, because going into the series, you're like, oh, man, this is where Milwaukee makes their money, right? The strong starting pitching and their ability to shorten games to get into the back end to their high leverage guys. And now in a situation like you have here where Burns doesn't, you know, pitch like Burns normally does. And you have to go to Freddie. You don't know until we see the game tonight what he's going to give you. And if, if you're able to win this game tonight going into game three and you kind of have to say, all right, all hands on deck, like whoever can give me. In inning, if you can give me two and get some quick outs in there, it's a it's a really tough situation. And I think for Arizona, and I think we hit on it a little bit last week, the ability to come into a series and just say, hey, we've never been here before, so the youth is going to help us. And they were able to run the bases. And Corbin Carroll didn't look fade. And Christian Walker had a big game for them last night. And you're kind of in a playing with house money situation because all the pressure's on Milwaukee, right? They lost game one and you're playing at home, and you know in the back of your mind you need your best out of Freddie if you hope to not go home today. So Arizona, I don't know if it could have gone any better. So can we go ahead and put a funeral on Kratz's World Series winner, the Brewers, then? Or we, can we go ahead and tombstone him? Boom. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> or is I it don't... too soon? Kratz doesn't have nothing to say. He's like, oh. Oh, I said it, it once Once the big woo stuff came out. I said, can I change my pick? Yeah, can I change <laughs> that? I mean, that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you make it before Riddle's injury or after? Yeah. I'm not I'm not mad at that. Um, I I just think it's going to be tough for them because let's say they move on, right? Then you got to play the Dodgers. You're going to have the situation again, right? Because there's – let's say Burns is Burns in that Dodgers series, but let's say Freddie has an off night. Now you're going to have to bullpen for – two of the five games if you make it five games. So it's it's a tough situation to be in. Nobody wants to lose one of their aces at the beginning of the postseason. It, it just it, I think it, that really threw a monkey wrench in what the Brewers wanted to do this postseason. Russ, you know what I was thinking about? Mike Hazen has mentioned this multiple times, uh, leader of the front office for the Diamondbacks. He's mentioned this before the season started, and I watched probably way too much of their celebration and their coverage and, and listened to his interview after they clinched a postseason spot. And he's like, we are not going to out-homer most teams. We have to do things differently. That's a pop yesterday. <laughs> Gabriel Moreno has been a brilliant trade. He talked about Corbin Carroll, too, the other day and said, thank you to the 15 teams that decided to skip Corbin Carroll because he's the best damn player on our team. And he had some swag on that home run, too. Like, he's still kind of figuring out his personality in terms of how he talks to the media, right? He's pretty quiet and reserved, but... Man, that homer, that had a lot to it. And we're looking at Cattell, obviously, who's been there for a while. But th this team brought some pop. And to me, that's the part that's missing for Arizona compared to most other teams. I'm like, ah, are they going to do enough damage? Well, if those dudes are playing like that, then the answer is yes. And I think for 
them last night. Well, let's start with Carroll because I know last night he was asked, hey, where does that homer rank in a season of a plenty of accomplishments? And he said, well, it's pretty, it's pretty high up there. Um, and that team bought it, right? And I think they, they kind of understand that, hey, they're all going through this together. And you talk about the pop. Christian Walker has as much right-handed pop as anybody. And he, you know, you see what he was able to do for them uh, in yesterday's game. Gabriel Moreno has been huge. That's that's this is a guy who is still kind of figuring out who he is as a hitter at the big level. It's only going to get better. But no, they're they're going to be able to if they move on past the Brewers, they're going to be scary because of all the little things that they do. Where we didn't see it a ton yesterday, but I think in a series against the Dodgers, where you're like, all right, the Dodgers are going to have they're going to be able to outslug us. How are we going to be able to push extra runs across? And they have enough guys where they have a lot of guys in that lineup who can swipe a bag, swipe two bags. And, and you know, they're not going to be afraid to lay down that sacrifice bunt when they need to move guys over and hopefully get the best out of their guys in Gallon and Amir Kelly. Are the D-backs the 2014 Royals? I think the Royals team might have had a little bit more offense Right with, you know, Mustakis, Hosmer. I mean, right? we had we had some slug, but we didn't like there was it was I think we were the low second lowest number of home runs, stole a bunch of bases, pitching staff was definitely outgunned based on who we were going up against. But the bullpen, not your relievers, Kratz. Your bullpen, bullpen was, the was bullpen better was than this down. bullpen. I'm just saying, there's, yeah, there's different ways. There's different ways to win it. And kind of the whole like, the whole like council thing as far as like what he went with, and maybe I'm a council apologist for saying this, mm-hmm. but if you if you break it down, Freddie they win last night. Freddie is pitching game three, and I know behind the scenes what was discussed about that 18 playoffs was okay. We might have to give up game five at the beginning before game five. Right after game four, we said we need to win two more games. We didn't need to win one more game. If we needed to win one more game, we would have gone all in on game five. You need to win two more games. So to me, last night, Council was looking at it saying, this is the game we have to win, and that's why he pushed all his chips in with his bullpen. And now he's got to piece it together. There's nobody, Nobody's denying that. Yeah, it's – Especially when it, the three-game series, especially, I think it puts such an onus on every move that you make with no off day and with the fact that whoever loses game one is behind the eight ball as much as anybody. And especially if it goes the way it did for the Brewers where, all right, the guy that we really needed the length out of didn't make it through five innings. All right, that means we have to go to our number two tonight. And I think if you're – if you're Milwaukee, not winning the Brandon Fott start is going to be something that you look back in the offseason and say, man. Like, I know Brandon Fott, you know, had scoreless outings in two of his last three starts before last night. I get that. But you don't want to have to go into game two against Zach Gallen or Merrill Kelly with as good as those guys have been over the last couple of years and say, hey, if we couldn't push across runs, we had you know, left 11 guys on base in game one. And then they have their two best on the mound. Psychologically, you're like, eh, I don't know. Like, maybe we win a 2-1 game uh, and, and go from there. But it's 
it's a really tough situation for them in your home ballpark, right? I think that's the one advantage that you still have going for you because that crowd was rocking yesterday earlier in the game when they were able to score some runs. So I think you're going to have to rely on that to kind of push you through to get to game three. Russ and Eric, I mean, both of y'all can answer this question for me, but I understand that before a game, you go into a game and you say, all right, well, this is the way we scripted this game. But then it doesn't go the way you want it to go, right? So you have to be able, as a manager and as an organization, to say, well, gosh, we're in trouble now. We need to flip this somehow. And that's that, that's more of the issue, I guess, for me, is I understand that, yeah, they had to win this game. They wanted to win this game. They went all in. But at some point, they had to also – Craig Council also had to be like, man, we've left 11 guys on in five innings. Maybe we're not winning this game. So I need to find another way so I do save it because we still have to win two games. And I, I think that's where – you know, you, plans, what did Mike Tyson say? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Well, that's kind of what happened to the Brewers last night. They had a plan. They're thinking Burns going to go 6-7. Brandon Fott's going to go, but he only went a few innings anyways, right? And the, or Arizona's going to blow their guys out. We're going to win game one, save Freddie for game three, piece it together game two. Well, as soon as it flipped and that home run from Moreno went out of the park, if I'm Craig Council, I'm like, oh, shit, boys. I'm looking at my card going. I might have to change some things around here. Maybe use a Ray. Usually, maybe use some length guy because I don't want to have Devin Williams throw thirty plus pitches. Right? Not I, a one I mean, run game. Yeah, that's what. That's my point. I think like I, 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 I'm always a win today guy just because it's like you don't know what's gonna happen, and it's a one run game in the night, right? Devin Williams has close to almost a sub one ERA in the second half. You're not expecting him to not have the command that he usually has and to not have the change up and to give up really hard contact and give up two runs. You're expecting him to go out there, shut it down with a you know a one-run deficit and an offense that had been able to create traffic all game to push a run across the tie. But well, yeah, no, and 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 let me comment on that too, because you you talk about like scripting it. This isn't like a Joe Madden, I script it, and I'm not reading the fact that. Hendricks is throwing strikes and he got screwed on a call. So I'm just automatically taking him out and going to Lester. This is like scripting it. Like this is our game to win. We have to go all in on this game to win. And it was a one run game. Like that's different than scripting. Like, like I think some of these managers get overwhelmed in the fact that, Oh, I'm scripting this because I have to, you know, if, if I, okay, if we're a one run lead, I can't let, I just go back to the 2016 World Series where, to me, Joe Madden almost lost that series for him because he didn't read what was going on. They ended up winning, obviously. But to me, him staying with his guys in that situation, they were pushing their chips that they are going to win this game, and they should have won the game. But I don't know that he should have gone off script. You can't bring in Colin Ray in a 4-3 to game. I love Colin Ray. I love Adrian Hauser. I love Wade Miley. Those dudes should not be in a four to three ball game against the Brandon against the Fott Diamondbacks, even if Fott's out of the game, because you have a shot at still putting the ball out of the ballpark and going up and then going to Devin Williams. Okay, that's fine, but now you're screwed because now Hauser, Ray, now, Miley. So yeah, now you're screwed for two games. Let's say they win tonight, two to th- two to one, right? Freddie deals. They have to he win uses tonight. Pie amps, he <laughs> uses Williams. He uses Arriba again. Is he going to throw those guys three games in a row? Probably not. So those guys are going to have to pitch big innings for you. So why not make it in a game that, hey, we're losing. We might not win. See where I'm going with this? I mean, I get it. If them butts were candies and nuts, it'd be Christmas every day, right? If they hit a home run, they would have won the game. They didn't. The Diamondbacks did. So now you're fucked. Yeah, but you can't You can't sit and wait and hold. You can't sit and wait and hold Colin Ray, 
and all these guys like at a spot where they're not used to in a one-run game, to me, they're going after last night's game. It didn't happen. And I commend them for going after it because – I commend them now for – Adios. Kuma Stone. It's not over yet. They have a chance, obviously. Yeah, but come on. They can win two games in a row. I understand. Understood. If they're close to the game was lost, I think it was much more on the offense yeah. than how that pitching went. I, I think four runs through eight innings, I think you, you know, you're feeling pretty good. And with the way that your offense had, you know, been able to create traffic despite being down going into the ninth inning, uh, I think you're probably feeling pretty be good about that outcome and you, you can't you just can't worry about tomorrow man because tomorrow night not be there right you think about game three and oh when this one then maybe point on game two and go you might you might be out you might be out okay that's fine you might be out tonight though too because but true here's the thing okay now before, before one last thing and we're going to move on from this because i hate bearing counsel because i really like them but you were at the game last night there was three celebrities in the crowd. And I didn't see you next to them. They had front row Amy, Marlon's man, and Eminem jacket guy. I'm sure you know George Jacobs, the Eminem jacket guy, because he's at all the White Sox games. Uh-huh. And you know Marlon's man. And front row Amy's a legend in Milwaukee. So I was waiting for the Russ Dorsey selfie next to the three of them, you know, in between them maybe during the game, I'm, Twitter. I'm not, a, I'm not. One, I was working. Two, I'm not a celebrity agent. I know. Yeah. That's why you take a picture with the three celebrities. Also, that's lame. Who does celebrity? That? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I know. Celebrity is a big t- – I know. That, that is a – Modern is Man a is definitely stretch. a baseball celebrity, not like actual celebrity. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. We're talking about those three and the NFL's throwing Swift and Kelsey at us. Oof, we got work to do. Sports doing point. it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're okay. We're okay. But, hey, Russ, real quick, real quick, yeah. I, got, I got my comparison here. The Royals, the Royals, 19 home runs, 15 home runs, 17 home runs. Top three home runs for the 2014 Royals. Sounds kind of like the Diamondbacks. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't doubt you because you know that team well. I just feel like this team is a little less experienced than that team was in terms of just like that team had a, l- a little bit more big league experience. These guys have rookies going out there starting game one. You know, for Carroll. He's an absolute stud. Like, that ball he hit last night, I don't know if, if TV did it justice. Mm-mm. That ball was mm-hmm. absolutely demolished, and he went down and got it. So he's he's a different animal. But, like, they have a lot of guys still learning who they are as big leaders in real time, and they're doing it in the postseason. I think that's pretty cool. And there is breaking news, so I'm going to add this. The Diamondbacks' win actually leads to a contract extension. No, I'm kidding, obviously. But I'm not kidding about the extension for Mike Hazen. That is real. That just got reported by some people. Um, I think John Heyman was first with it. But through 2028, with a club option, he's going to be there for a long-ass time. He's done a nice job building this team, and it looks like their best baseball is going to come over the next few years in a winning window here. And some Red Sox fans that thought maybe he – Goes back to the Red Sox front office and cross him off the list. That probably helped with leverage. So, congrats to Mike Hazen on getting uh, the bag from the D backs. Russ, have fun, man. Um, hopefully, we'll talk to you, what, early next week or later this week um, and have a game three to cover with you, you know? Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Cheers, dude. Talk to you soon. Um, I'd like to make an announcement, even though I'm not currently in my home state of Florida, but. There was a playoff baseball game yesterday. 
Tampa Bay fans. There was playoff baseball, okay? Your baseballer viral hit of the week features a post from our friend saying this was the crowd at Tropicana Field for the AL wildcard game. What? The announced official attendance, which is how many people have tickets bought, that doesn't even include how many were actually in the building, was under 20,000 people. AJ, you live in Florida. You have to try and defend or attack here. I know you want baseball on Orlando. I'm going to take that little liner from you already. You can't use that because it's not happening. And they just announced a new ballpark that's going to be in the same area. They're going to build some stuff around it, but empty seat city. And Mark Topkin, who's going to join us later in the show, covers the team for the Tampa Bay Times, posted the announced attendance. 19,704 for a playoff game. Yes, Tuesday afternoon. No people have to work. I understand that. But a playoff game at the Trop in downtown St. Petersburg, which is where the new ballpark's going to be, right? What the fuck? All I'm going to say is come to Orlando. We were just named the best food city in the country. Now we can host a baseball team. Come on down to Orlando. I understand. Understand. They almost have the stadium thingy done. But listen, we'll figure it out in Orlando. AJ, this is a waste, though. I'm going to stop you. It's a waste, though. That's not happening. So real talk is... (laughs) Real talk is is this is freaking awful. And you know what else I hate more than anything? The only other thing more tired than the argument of, oh, it's game time, it's Tuesday at 3 o'clock, is we got too much rest in the postseason. Another bad excuse that I hate when teams use when they lose. You just lost. So don't use that one. Whoever sweeps is going to be like, if they lose the DS, they'll be like, oh, we had too much time off. Or if one of the one or two seats loses, oh, we had too much time off. Dude, shut up. That's the worst excuse in the world. Because if you didn't get too much time off, you just didn't play well. Right? So I don't want to hear that. And second of all, 3 o'clock on a Tuesday, I don't care what it is. I mean – Listen, come, show up, support your team. This is what – they have one of the best teams. They have one of the best franchises as far as talent development, putting a winning product on the team, and getting to the postseason. Now, they haven't won one, but they do it every year with nothing, no resources, no low-budget team, and here they are. Boom. They're in the postseason again. They won 99 games this year. They're an incredible organization, okay? But to me, just show up. Because the other game had a full house, and it was at the same time, right? So why does one game have a full house and the other one doesn't? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's just bad optics and only 19,000. Man, that's sad, and it ain't the time. It's just just sad. I know two people that were actually at the game. My wife's aunt and uncle, Keith and Sherry Troyer. They were at the game, and they said, wow, it was embarrassing as a Rays fan. And they're true Rays fans. I think that's what it boils down to. They're not the city, whether it's because we're Tampa people and, you know, we don't really get the team or if it's the location, whatever it is, there's no, there's no camaraderie in the city that surrounds the team. Look, people are like, ah, it's just not a great place to watch baseball or all these, all these dumb Florida excuses. Hockey is king in that town. It is not a hockey town. It is a Tampa town. The name is the Tampa Rays. Okay? Like Tampa Bay. Say Tampa Bay. Tampa, people get Tampa pissed if you Bay. don't know. Yeah, people get pissed about Tampa versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Rays. Who cares? You could call it the Siesta Key Rays. Nobody's from the area where the stadium is. And nobody has any like the camaraderie comes with like being able to turn to your neighbor and be like, oh yeah. My uncle was a fan. My grandfather was a fan. And they don't have it. And I don't think the team sells it very well. When you go down to Tampa, in the city of Tampa, 
not just in St. Pete because there's not much really in St. Pete. So they're kind of behind the eight ball there. But when you go into Tampa, it is lightning bolts everywhere. Where are the Ray signs? Where are the Ray border, you know, banners that are hanging from buildings? That's what brings people out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Or they had the 5 o'clock game. They didn't have the 3 o'clock game, did they? No, they were Rangers. They were the first game. They were the the first game. They came out in Minnesota, and it was Minnesota strong. It was, you know, people thanking God it wasn't snowing in the beginning of October in Minnesota. Like, there is – it has nothing to do with the stadium. It has nothing to do with the fact that the team is – what they are, you know, low budget. Oh, they don't spend on the team. I don't want to go out. Don't do that. Don't do that. Have some ownership for your area and really delve into the community. They want to be the Tampa Bay Rays. Sell them in Tampa Bay, in the city of Tampa. Yeah, but Kratz, it's all about the stadium because it's the not in Tampa. Crashed. You got to cross the bridge and nobody wants to cross the bridge. The stadium so crashed and, and it's in a different city. I, Come to Orlando, part of number what, one what food city on. in the country. Come to Orlando. Stop we it. got it all. That is, Hotels, that is travel, the problem, though. No, AJ, dissect no, the issue. Right. No, I the need... issue is nobody wants to cross the bridges. Whether okay, you're coming AJ. south or yeah. you're coming from Tampa, right? St. Pete is the little thing. If you look at the map of Florida, it's a little, like, thing that hangs down, right? Like an isthmus, right? Or a peninsula, no whatever what you want to call is, it. But – but it's Saint, a little, little like Saint Pete is awesome thing. too. They have Saint like, Pete is Saint Pete has gotten way city. better. It's gotten it's, way better. But it's got good, good beaches. But all it's like that, what Pat right? said though. Nobody wants nobody. There's not a ton of people from there that are that go to games. And then if you're gonna if you're the Lightning, the difference in the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Tampa Bay Bucks is they're in Tampa proper. Okay, and there is way more people that live in Tampa proper than they do in Saint Pete. And nobody wants to cross the bridges. Nobody wants to come from Sarasota, Bradenton, cross the Sunshine Bridge. Nobody wants to come Campbell Causeway across from the from the east to get to St. Pete because it's just a pain in the neck. And all it takes is one little fender bender. It'll take you four hours to get there. So people just don't want to go to St. Pete. It's not the game time. It's just a bad location. And now they're going to build a new stadium. And new stadiums aren't always the answer. But if they built this, I promise you, in Tampa Bay, on the Tampa side, it would be much more well-received. They haven't been able to get it done. They've been fighting for years. But if, if they moved this to Tampa, made an event like the Lightning do, it would be better It would be better attended. Yep. Yeah. The stadiums are real estate deals, and they got a better deal there. And that's all that mattered in the end. It wasn't about, hey, how can we get the most people here and all that. And I know they're building a smaller ballpark, which obviously they need to do so that it doesn't look so empty. But here, this is the only thing we need to know from our resident Florida expert. If the stadium was right next to where the Lightning play, would it have been sold out yesterday? I believe it would have. Okay. The Lightning don't have a problem. The Bucks don't have a problem. Right? And the Rays are good. They win. They the win every good. year for and years also, now. Listen, you can say whatever you want about the stadium. That stadium does suck. I mean, it's not. It does. It sucks. Sugarcoat. It's right. awful to watch a game in, right? It's stale. It's terrible lighting. It's terrible. Just everything. It's just bad. But if you take the, that stadium and put it next to the Lightning, I think you get more, you more fans there. Okay, good. Well said. Um, baseballer is the spot for viral content like that. And also, they got some hats and shirts and all that. We wear it sometimes on this show. They're our friends. Baseballer, BSBLR.com is the spot. Let's get to yesterday's action because there is one series that we have not covered yet. It's just that it's going to be over so quickly. It's not that much of a story. But the Philadelphia Phillies took down the Miami Marlins yesterday. Why are you giving me that look? 
You think the Marlins are coming back, AJ? I mean, I picked them to win the series, so they this damn is sure so better. Now the Phillies are good, and if there's one thing I feel pretty decent about right now, it's I could be a little lone soldier picking the Phillies to win the World Series this year, and so far, very strong. Zach Wheeler was good. The bottom of the lineup was getting some damage done. You didn't even need the big boys yet, and that place is insane. What a transition, Kratz, to talk about the scene in St. Pete and then move on to the scene in Philadelphia. And I have zero bias in my blood. I am not from that area. It's just a damn vibe, and they know how to host a freaking baseball game. They are ready, and they are. This city is just pulsing. There's just vibrations in this city for, obviously, the sports town kind of ignited last year with the World Series and then the Super Bowl and the Philadelphia Union, the soccer team but they are ravenous for a championship. And it showed last night. And I think, so I was talking to somebody who's at the game. One of my players was at the game and they were like, oh yeah, you know, it's pretty awesome. It was, everybody was hype. They did their like little cut-ins where, you know, ESPN does the flags waving and everything. And then Reese Hoskins came out and threw out the first pitch. I did not see this coming at all. Like, Reese Hoskins, who would think a current player actually on the team who kind of Philly fans have been kind of – they've been dogging him. They've been dogging him for a while. But he's out this entire year with the ACL surgery that he had, and he came out and threw the first pitch. They said from that point on, it just felt like there was a constant noise in the stadium and everybody got so, so hype. And they carried it through the game and the players – the players were absolutely juiced. The whole this thing, this thing by Nick, big stick Nick, going and showing them, giving them the bird. Everybody thought it was the bird. Like, this is an absolute low cane knock to right field. A bullet could have been out, gives them the Serrano, and then the ring finger. The ring finger in this city right now is, yes, obviously everybody in Philly was like, well, I hope he flipped them the bird. I hope he, everybody on the Phillies flipped people the bird. Like, it's a Philly thing. But when it came out that it was the ring finger, oh, my goodness. They are loving every second of it because that's what they want here. They want another championship. Kyle Schwarber said when he saw Castellanos hold a finger, he was like, is he flipping us off? <laughs> then he watched the replay back and counted the fingers to confirm it was actually the ring finger. This is from Chelsea James, who's covering the series. Uh, quote from Castellanos, that ring is why we're playing this month. I immediately, I was watching on the plane and sent a tweet out, AJ, that um, look out, teachers, every freaking Philly kid at school <laughs> on, what day is it? Wednesday? Tuesday? Whatever day it is. Is going to throw that I mean, up. I, there. Wait, I actually that's wear one, dude. I actually wear one on this finger. You wear yours on your right hand? Well, I mean, I've worn it like three times in my life. So, yeah. Yeah. You don't wear it much. Every they, Philly kid today. No? And you know what else he said in the in the post-game local, the NBC Sports local telecast after the interview on the field? He goes, why would I, why would I give the – why would I flip off my own teammates? I love those guys. It's just – it's just like this, this team is everything about them. The overalls there, they are, you know, who's afraid of this game ending tonight, this series ending tonight, the Braves, the Braves are afraid of it. They are cheering hard for Braxton Garrett. 
And I think he's got a shot. I think I think Nola has to prove, not prove it because he did it all off all postseason last year. But I think he's got this is a big game for him. And you talk about Jordan Montgomery up in his value. Nola's gonna up his value in free agency here tonight. Mm-hmm. Also, did you see Luis arise post game? Is this is this definitely real? Someone who covers the team. No, and he was limping around. You guys see that last night? He was kind oh, of. Oh, he's been hurt down the stretch. He had a bad. He's ankle. had a bad ankle for a while. You know what that was from? They like shut the lights off for the closer entrance, and he fell because he said he couldn't see, which is a whole nother story. We can get into that. You didn't hear about that? No. Yeah. The lights are never just completely off. You can see. The scoreboard stays on. Yeah. Like you <laughs> just, how about we just say we tripped? Yeah, like that's cool. Like Crash had, did it in intros. Trip. Yes. Yes. Well, Except don't talk about that. don't talk about my dude like that. Anyway, he had, he had great pro. hair though. He had big league hair, by the way, last did night. Did you hear what he said though? He by goes, the way, who would you rather have? Luis Arise or Pablo Lopez? Um hmm? Luis Arise. Uh, Whoa! Nice batting title you just won, too. Congratulations, Scott. He pitched really well tonight. This is his quote. He pitched really well tonight about Wheeler. The umpire helped him a lot. He called a lot of bad pitches. Wow. Uh, That was lost in translation. I don't think he knew exactly what he was saying. That was great. It's a great quote. Watching that game, there was some questionable calls, but they were both ways. Yeah, they definitely, he was definitely calling the low ball. Yeah, but the ump was consistent. He was calling the low. Make an adjustment, kids. Exactly. Here's my thing. Listen, I know Kratz is already throwing the confetti because his brewers are out, so now he's moving on to his next team, the Phillies. (laughs) But the Braxton Garrett's better than people think. If you don't know him, Heads up. I got burger bomb tonight. I hope, I hope this go up. All four of these series go to game three just because I love winner take all games. Fair, fair. But they're all elimination games tonight. Hot corner time, okay? Let's finish strong here. I do have some props to hand out. Not betting. Um, when there are either good people or good leaders in the game, they should be recognized. The show is not just negativity. It's just that some people say dumbass shit. That is the owner of the Philadelphia Phillies that we're looking at right now, carrying a bag of baseballs during BP. And apparently some of the people were commenting saying like, he'll take a lot of baseballs during BP and throw them from the field out to the crowd. That is a winning owner. And I'm not just talking about winning baseball games. That is fucking awesome. And we need more of that. Somebody on Twitter said, somebody significant, a, a analyst who used to play, said, oh, that's eyewash. And I, I don't believe it's eyewash. I think it's the little things like that. Now, does he have to do that? Absolutely not. Nobody's ever going to say, Psh, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen John Middleton carrying any balls lately. Nobody's going to say that. It's the little things that show you're invested in your players. You're invested in not only – you know, the ballpark surrounding real estate, but you're invested in the players on the field, which make the game tick, which brings 9,000 plus more people in the seats. This guy is invested. And yes, they got video of this, but John Middleton is able to go to the usher in row, you know, in section 212 and talk to that person because he knows their name. He's able to go to the usher in 420 and talk to that person because he knows their name. This is how Middleton and before him, Mr. Montgomery have run this organization. Oh, and they also make money. Oh, and they also are going to win a lot of games for a lot of years. 
that is insane to me that somebody was calling that out. That's eyewash. Oh, sorry. Let me um, not go to most games like many owners do. They don't even go to games. And then there are many others that will never touch the field or talk to their employees. I mean, I had a boss once. I mean, he got fired eventually, but I had a boss once that like never came down and hung out with all of his employees like ever. And his previous boss did all the time. And everyone was like, hello, are you there? Like it's a bitch move to not be part of your team that you're running. So sure. Do you have to be at BP grabbing baseballs and carrying them back in and whatever to be a justifiable, respectful owner? No, but you shouldn't call that out. I didn't know that Kratz. That's insane that someone's calling that out. Eyewash? Really? Is hustling eyewash too? Should, mm. should dudes run down the line? Like AJ, help me out here, dude. As Ozzy once said, good players play, bad players hustle. <laughs> oh, Ozzie. Listen, this is awesome. Listen, it's awesome. You know why? Because the players see him out there, and they're like, this dude's in the fight with us. And, and that's what players want. They want the front office in the fight. They want the owners in the fight, especially in the postseason. And as far as the eyewash goes, I don't know who said it, but uh, that's eyewash your quote because you want clicks. But, yeah, this is awesome. If my owner was out there, with me, we're at the White Sox. Jerry Reinsdorf's out there picking up balls. I would have been like, way to go, Jerry. Thanks. Thank you. Like, you're in the fight with me. And I'm all for this. Listen, the more involved the front office can get and the more involved the owners, just to make people feel comfortable because nobody wants a GM or an owner walking into the locker room and being like, oh, no, the yep. owner's here. I got to – no, it's cool. You can be nice to people. You can be respectful of people, and you can you can help people out. You don't have to – Always be standoffish if you're an owner and show up and say hi to people. This is this is a baseball show with people who are around baseball. Baseball's really like it's not really even a job. Like we get to watch a sporting event, but when you go to a real job, should you not work every single day like your boss is watching? Should you not live your life every single day like your wife is watching, like your whoever it is that you look up to that you want to emulate, like Somebody's watching. And for an owner to do that, it endears him to the people that may look at him as like, whoa, his name was on my check. He's not even of this earth. Like it, it, it brings it brings the leadership down to if you're not if you don't want to be able to lead people. Then you don't have to do this kind of stuff, but he wants to lead people. He wants to lead them to a championship as much as he can besides just paying paychecks. He's willing to pick up the balls because that might be one of the lowest jobs on the field, and it it sets a great precedence in in my book. So let's get the player take on this next one. Some angry Blue Jays fans were not pleased with this little brief hug on the field. I mean, barely a hug, arm around Flatty Jr. from Carlos Correa. You know, they're friends, both very successful big leaguers. There's pissed off Blue Jays fans. And it's not just about this moment, which is, you know, a big moment in the game. I think Blue Jays fans just feel like they don't see sense of urgency sometimes. And and again, I'm going to just represent fans and many could be trolls on social media platforms being like, I want more, you know, oomph and like, what the fuck? This team's way too talented kind of stuff from the Blue Jays right now. At the same time, also, what's Vladdy supposed to do? Correa comes over and go like that, like... So thoughts here? Because I shouldn't be the one talking about this. I'll let AJ go first because I want to see his 
face. I got no, I got no problem with this. They're friends. No, when you were playing. When you were playing. Oh, when I was playing, I was told by Brian Butterfield, we don't talk to the other team or the umpires because we are the Red Sox. Yeah, beat it, Butter. You're tired. So here's my <laughs> deal. Because, you know, but like, no, listen, you have friends and guys bounce around and Carlos Correa and Vlad Guerrero, they probably, maybe they did something in the offseason. Maybe they hung out. Like, this wasn't a big deal. I mean, this is just two guys. Listen, there's a break in the action. He put his arm around them. Who cares? Like, let the... If it was in any other situation, nobody would care. It's just because, oh, it's the playoffs. you got to be more serious. No, let people be people and be nice to each other. Seriously. Like, if there's, if you can bring that picture back, we don't need to. But you circle the top left, it's three to one. That's why the Blue Jays are internet mad. Like, it's okay that they put their arm – Carlos Correa doesn't want to win any less because he put his arm around Vladdy. Vladdy doesn't win. See, right up there, top left. Toronto won, M-I-N-3. That's why Toronto's mad. If not, if it was the opposite way, Guerrero fans and Blue Jay fans would be like, oh, man, look, he's even having fun. It's the playoffs. Everybody's excited. No, both of those guys want to beat the brakes off the other team. It just so happened that your team was losing and they were getting a little chummy-chummy. It's not a big deal at all. Like, relax. This isn't, you know, they're not mortal enemies. They just want to beat the other team. True. Let's lap. Amp time. Caller name. Fave team, question or comment. And unmute, please. Uh, hello, uh, it's Jamie. Um, I've called before. Um, my question is, is that, you know, with, you know, with a team like the Orioles who are very young and this is their first postseason, you know, wouldn't it be, how hard of it would it be to, over, not overcome, but to, you know, get that week of rest where, you know, as the the Braves, they have this plan of the simulated games and, you know, ramping up. Like, how, how like, difficult or, I don't know, like, if that's the right word, but, like, how, like, tough would it be for them to, you know, get in that mindset of, all right, we get to rest now, but now we got to go, you know, full speed to whoever we face in the DS. Thanks, Jamie. Good stuff. You want me Either. to go first on this? Yeah. Since I already said this. The most tired excuse in the world is, what did I say? We had too much rest. We had too much days off. It's a tired excuse. But I did the Orioles game on Saturday, and we asked Brandon Hyde this exact question. We said, what are you guys going to do? Because the Braves are letting fans in, the, you know, letting fans in because they thought they had too much rest last year and weren't prepared. He said, listen, we're the most banged-up team right now ever. We got dudes left and right that are sore. We need the time off. Yes, they're going to do simulated games. Yes, they're going to get live at-bats. But at the same time, he's like, look, we just need rest. So the Orioles needed rest. They were beat up at the end of the year. They're going to get through it. I think the Orioles will be ready to go. Why? Because it's a freaking postseason. If you can't get up for these games, you shouldn't be playing. There's no – yeah, there's no, like, oh, we've had time off. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm rusty. I'm too fresh. I'm no, too fresh. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever said I'm too rusty. They're just coming up with excuses. 
And rarely it's the players that are coming up with these excuses. It's the narrative that's written. But it's also a Charlie Manuel quote right here. Know thyself. If the Braves need simulated games and fans to come in the stands because they need to, you know, have that stimulation or whatever it is, good for them. Do it. If the Orioles need spa days, then that's what they need to do because it's time to come out and be in the best position you can to get exactly what Nick said, the ring. I love it. I'm not going to add a thing because I didn't play. So that was beautiful. Uh, Kratzatz, what do you got? Well, amp caller. Thank you for joining us, Jamie. Yeah, you guys start doing this shit. Tell them. Me? Yeah. 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 Follow at foul territory. All right. Yeah. We're good. Kratzatz, you follow what do you got? Foul territory and call in. Jamie, our second, second timer. We're getting, we're getting major call-ins. This hat was given to me by Carlos Correa after he took it off of uh, Vladdy's head. In the seventh inning, they were, like, exchanging hats and stuff. They didn't really care about what was going on in the game. <laughs> These were, this are our BP hat. Honestly, I had no idea when this was from. This is our BP hat from 2014. The only reason I know that is because my number's in it. It's a big old make maple leaf on the front there. Yeah, it's extra big. It's, well, it's normal size, but it's a huge hat, hat so they had to make it. It's like when Crow Armstrong trip. is up to the bat, his, you know, his his name looks really big along the back. No, he's just really skinny. <laughs> Look at Good Carlos Zambrano's jersey. Um, we will be back on. Man, I'm really losing track of days. We will be back on Thursday. I um, reportedly will be at Kratz's spot, so we shall see. AJ's still there, and AJ takes off Friday to call his. No, I got tomorrow day. off too, kid. No freaking way. Wow. Yep. So I just want to say to all you Canadian baseball fans out there, happy th- happy Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend. On Sun- I think it's on Sunday. So happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Why do you do air quotes? Because it's Canadian Thanksgiving. It's not Thanksgiving. Okay. They're, they're Thanksgiving. Um, Cal Raleigh is joining us tomorrow. Whoa, whoa. Dropping that at the end there. And Adam Jones will be on with us too to host. We From will Milwaukee? see everyone on Thursday. Safe travels, AJ. Crush it, Thank man. You. We'll be watching and listening. All right, boys, I'll get a shout out, Foul Territory. Follow. Yes, please. Subscribe. Every inning. <laughs> hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F O U L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.